Section 7 of Iola Leroy, or Shadows Uplifted. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White. Iola Leroy, or Shadows Uplifted, by Francis E. W. Harper. Chapter 7 tom anderson's death where's tom asked captain sybil i have not seen him for several hours he's gone down the sound with some of the soldiers replied robert they wanted tom to row them i'm afraid those boys will get into trouble and the rebs will pick them off responded sybil oh i hope not answered robert i hope not too but those boys are too venturesome. Tom knows the lay of the land better than any of us, said Robert. He is the most wide-awake and gamiest man I know. I reckon when the war is over, Tom will be a preacher. Did you ever hear him pray? No. Is he good at that? First rate, continued Robert. It would do you good to hear him. He don't allow any cursing and swearing when he's around and what he says is law and gospel with the boys. But he's so good-natured, and they can't get mad at him. Yes, Robert, there is not a man in our regiment I would sooner trust than Tom. Last night, when he brought in that wounded scout, he couldn't have been more tender if he had been a woman. How gratefully the poor fellow looked in Tom's face as it laid him down so carefully and staunched the blood which had been spurting out of him. Tom seemed to know it was an artery which had been cut, and he did just the right thing to stop the bleeding. He knew there wasn't a moment to be lost. He wasn't going to wait for the doctor. I have often heard that colored people are ungrateful, but I don't think Tom's worst enemy would say that about him. Captain, said Robert, with a tone of bitterness in his voice, what had we to be grateful for? for ages of poverty ignorance and slavery i think if anybody should be grateful it is the people who have enslaved us and lived off our labor for generations captain i used to know a poor old woman who couldn't bear to hear anyone play on the piano is that so why i always heard that colored people were a musical race so we are but that poor woman's daughter was sold and her mistress took the money to buy a piano her mother could never bear to hear a sound from it. Poor woman, exclaimed Captain Sybil sympathetically. I suppose it seemed as if the wail of her daughter was blending with the tones of the instrument. I think, Robert, there is a great deal more in the colored people than we give them credit for. Did you know Captain Sellers? The officer who escaped from prison and got back to our lines? asked Robert. Yes. Well, he had quite an experience in trying to escape. He came to an aged couple who hid him in their cabin and shared their humble food with him. They gave him some cornbread, bacon, and coffee, which he thought was made of scorched bran. But he said that he never ate a meal that he relished more than the one he took with them. Just before he went, they knelt down and prayed with him. It seemed as if his very hair stood on his head. Their prayer was so solemn. As he was going away, 
the man took some shingles and nailed them on his shoes to throw the bloodhounds off his track. I don't think he will ever cease to feel kindly towards colored people. I do wonder what has become of the boys. What can keep them so long? Just as Captain Sybil and Robert were wondering at the delay of Tom and the soldiers, they heard the measured tread of men who were slowly bearing a burden. They were carrying Tom Anderson to the hospital, fearfully wounded and nigh to death. His face was distorted, and the blood was streaming from his wounds. His respiration was faint, his pulse hurried, as if life were trembling on its frailest cords. Robert and Captain Sybil hastened at once towards the wounded man. On Robert's face was a look of intense anguish as he bent pityingly over his friend. "'Oh, this is dreadful! How did it happen?' cried Robert. Captain Sybil, pressing anxiously forward, repeated Robert's question. "'Captain,' said one of the young soldiers, advancing and saluting his superior officer, "'we were all in the boat when it struck against a mud-bank, and there was not strength enough among us to shove her back into the water.' Just then the rebels opened fire upon us. For a while we lay down in the boat, but still they kept firing. Tom took in the whole situation and said, Someone must die to get us out of this. I might's well be him as any. You are soldiers and can fight. If they kill me, it is nothing. So Tom leaped out to shove the boat into the water. Just then the rebel bullets began to rain around him. He received seven or eight of them, and I'm afraid there is no hope for him. Oh, Tom, I wish you hadn't gone. Oh, Tom, Tom, cried Robert in tones of agony. A gleam of grateful recognition passed over the drawn features of Tom as the wail of his friend fell on his ear. He attempted to speak, but the words died upon his lips, and he became unconscious. "'Well,' said Captain Sybil, "'put him in one of the best wards. "'Give him to Miss Leroy's care. "'If good nursing can win him back to life, "'he shall not want for any care or pains that she can bestow. "'Send immediately for Dr. Gresham.' "'Robert followed his friend into the hospital, "'tenderly and carefully helped to lay him down, "'and remained a while, gazing in silent grief upon the sufferer. "'Then he turned to go, leaving him in the hands of Iola, but hoping against hope that his wounds would not be fatal. With tender devotion, Iola watched her faithful friend. He recognized her when restored to consciousness, and her presence was as balm to his wounds. He smiled faintly, took her hand in his, stroked it tenderly, looked wistfully into her face, and said, "'Miss Iola, I ain't long for this. I's most home.' "'Oh, no,' said Iola. "'I hope that you will soon get over this trouble "'and live many long and happy days.' "'No, Miss Iola, it's all over with me. "'I's gone to glory, gone to glory, "'gone to ring them charming bells. "'Tell all the boys to meet me in heaven, "'that they must enlist in the heavenly war.' "'Oh, Mr. Tom,' said Iola, tenderly, "'do not talk of leaving me.' You are the best friend I have had since I was torn from my mother. I should be so lonely without you. There's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. 
he will be with you in the sixth trial, and in the seventh he'll not forsake you. Yes, answered Iola, I know that. He is all our dependence. But I can't help grieving when I see you suffering so. But, dear friend, be quiet and try to go to sleep. I'll do anything for you, Miss Iola. Tom closed his eyes and lay quiet. Tenderly and anxiously, Iola watched over him as the hours waned away. The doctor came, shook his head gravely, and, turning to Iola, said, There is no hope, but do what you can to alleviate his sufferings. As Iola gazed upon the kind but homely features of Tom, she saw his eyes open and an unexpressed desire upon his face. Tenderly and sadly bending over him, with tears in her dark, luminous eyes, she said, Is there anything I can do for you? Yes, said Tom, with laboring breath. Let me hold your hand and sing over Jordan into glory, and we'll anchor by and by. Iola laid her hand gently in the rough palm of the dying man, and with a tremulous voice sang the parting hymns. Tenderly she wiped the death-damps from his dusky brow, and imprinted upon it a farewell kiss. Gratitude and affection lit up the dying eye, which seemed to be gazing into the eternities. Just then Robert entered the room, and, seating himself quietly by Tom's bedside, read the death-signs in his face. "'Good-bye, Robert,' said Tom. "'Meet me in the kingdom.' Suddenly a look of recognition and rapture lit up his face, and he murmured, "'Angels, bright angels, all's well, all's well.' Slowly his hand released its pressure, a peaceful calm overspread his countenance, and without a sigh or murmur, Thomas Anderson, Iola's faithful and devoted friend, passed away, leaving the world so much poorer for her than it was before. Just then Dr. Gresham, the hospital physician, came to the bedside, felt for the pulse which would never throb again, and sat down in silence by the cot. "'What do you think, doctor?' said Iola. "'Has he fainted?' "'No,' said the doctor. "'Poor fellow. "'He is dead.' Iola bowed her head in silent sorrow, and then relieved the anguish of her heart by a flood of tears. Robert rose and sorrowfully left the room. Iola, with tearful eyes and aching heart, clasped the cold hands over the still breast, closed the waxen lid over the eye which had once beamed with kindness or flashed with courage, and then went back, after the burial, to her daily round of duties, feeling the sad missing of something from her life. End of Section 7 Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista